0: Welcome everyone, Dr. Mercola, helping you take control of your health. And today we're joined by Barbara Low Fisher, who's been on many times previously. And we're here today uh, to commemorate the Vaccine Awareness Celebration of 2023. We've been doing this for a number of years, but Barbara's been doing her work for much longer, 41 years now since she started NVIC, the National Vaccine Information Center that has been Pioneer in advocating for um, consumer freedom of choice uh, and bodily autonomy when it comes to decision making regarding vaccines, (laughs) and today she's going to share with us some exciting research that she's compiling for a presentation to a federal judiciary committee, I believe, and she's going to explain what she's uncovered, and it's somewhat disheartening uh, to see but not surprising considering what they've done in the last few years. So uh, with all that, welcome and thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, well, thank you. This is our 14th annual Vaccine Awareness Week. and Oh, my uh, gosh. That's right. And you've been uh, supporting our work for 15 years. That's so a, a uh, it's, <laughs> it, it doesn't seem possible it's been 15 years, but uh, it has. And a lot has happened in that time. A lot happened before that time, but a lot has happened since you you lent your support to this effort, um, this noble cause, really. Um, and yes, I have been deep into research. Um, I I I decided that I wanted to know exactly who, what, and why. NVIC, and my voice has been silenced. Online. And uh, during the time that this all happened, uh, particularly after the COVID pandemic declaration in uh, early 2020, we were so busy trying to figure out what was going on, like most people, and then trying to figure out how we were going to stay in touch with our followers because we could feel the onslaught of this oppression that was coming to us and it wasn't it didn't just start in 2020 it actually as you know well know because of the commentaries i was writing that you were you were um publishing on your website as well it there was there has been this progression and the escalation of persecution demonization discrimination against anyone who takes a position that does not conform with government and World Health Organization vaccine policy recommendations. So we knew, uh, particularly in 2015, with the Disneyland measles outbreak, that the heat really was on because the goal was clearly by the the, the pharmaceutical lobbyists that had joined with government, that the goal was to have everyone have to take every federally recommended vaccine. And they had, they knew that our opposition, the work we were doing in the states that we had been doing since 2010 to educate legislators about the fact that they needed to have informed consent protections and vaccine laws, they knew that this was a big obstacle. So, but but actually in my research, I realized that it was around 2009 when you lent your support to MVIC that actually the persecution began
0: <laughs> sorry about honestly, that honestly
1: <laughs> that that's what i what i realized now and what i've done in this report is i've gone in chronological order i've i've the reader along so that they can see how every step of the way this was done mm-hmm. and, and and last night i i said this reads like a crime novel <laughs> it is it is unbelievable what has been done because a group of parents in 1982, whose children had been injured by DPT vaccine, decided to take on the pharmaceutical industry and big public health. Uh, and that law in 1986, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, was really something that it was a major piece of legislation that basically said vaccine safety should be a, a national priority in this country, that vaccines do injure and kill. And that was the first time that it had been acknowledged. And from that point on, the pharmaceutical industry knew that they had to do something to stop this. But it took them a long time. Mm-hmm. And and what I've done is, like I say, I've 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 gone into and gotten the documents. What What's amazing to me is it's all online. All you have to do is put it together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, some of the documents that, that I have found that are in the report. This report is anchored by over 300 references live linked. So what you can do as a reader, you are able to go in and you were able to read the reports and the documents that, that I have put together yourself and decide for yourself if what I have found here is one of the most incredible stories in the history of medicine. I'll just show you some of the documents. Here we have uh, in 2019 a report combating targeted disinformation campaigns, a whole of society issue. And who do we have beating? The FBI, Fannie Mae, the MITRE Corporation, National Orwell, Varco, Booz Hamilton, University of Florida, Levin College of Law, Northern California Regional Intelligence Center. This is a meeting that is basically trying to say. That we that the internet needs to be policed, that social media platforms need to uh be sure that information that is not officially blessed if you if you will is not on the internet then we have in in twenty twenty the Sabin Aspen vaccine science and policy group this is uh funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation meeting the challenge of vaccination hesitancy you have in July of twenty twenty the anti-vax industry—that is really—that was published by the Center for Countering Digital Hate, and mm-hmm. that is really when uh, the 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 escalation of the demonization of anybody. Yeah, what, 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 year what year was that
0: published? What year was I'm sorry. What year was that published?
1: That was in July of 2020.
0: Yes, oh, I thought that's when it came That out.
1: is where they go- come after you and me. Right. NVIC. So the anti vax playbook by Center for County Digital Hate in December of 2020 was three months after NVIC held held our fifth international public conference on vaccination. And that was really the all out frontal assault on uh, anybody that is branded an anti vaxxer. And in that report, again, NVIC, myself, you, And others who spoke at the MVIC conference are targeted and uh, demonized and in vicious language. I mean, Imran Ahmed, who founded the Center for Countering Digital Hate, is a political operative out of England who is now, uh, has come to the United States in the Washington, D.C. area to do his work in discredit, trying to discredit and demonize and stop anybody who does not, again, conform with what the World Health Organization and the U.S. government decides is the correct vaccine information. In 2021, we have confronting health information by the U.S. Surgeon General. Again, pointing to Imran Mohamed's report, which has been referenced, that report that on the disinformation 12, even though I was not on the list, I was NDIC in my name, was listed as an organization like the Organic Consumers Organization, both of whom you do support, as as being a um, <laughs> you know, a threat to health security and, and should be thrown off of the internet. Here we have in uh 2021 uh the World Health Organization, WHO Public Health Research Agenda for Managing Infodemics, and how they how they define infodemic is basically too much information. We have too much information. They've got to be the arbiters of what is truth. They've got to be the ones to tell everybody what to think. Um, And uh, then you have in uh, 2021, March of 2021, Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health Center for Health Security, National Priorities to Combat Misinformation and Disinformation for COVID-19 and Future Public Health Threats, a call. For national strategy. Uh, you have the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. This is in 2021, put out by the National Security Council. You have memes, magnets, and microchips, narrative dynamics around COVID 19 vaccines, put out by called the Virality Project, put out by Stanford International Observatory. Uh, The NYU Center for Social Media Politics, the University of Washington Center for an Informed Public, graphica it goes on and on. And what is so unbelievable is that what it shows is that the federal government, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of State, the Department of Health and Human Services, the Department of Defense, and more, joined with businesses and institutions of society particularly universities to create what is known now or is is described by some as the censorship industrial complex or the disinformation industrial complex and um, it is an, an unbelievable story about how ordinary, citizens in this country, and particularly myself and NDIC, who have been working for 41 years with the federal government, with state governments, doing work in a civil and responsible way, the way we're supposed to do it in this representative constitutional republic, when we want to change something, we were targeted for elimination from the public square, the digital public square, simply for trying to be good citizens. And I, you know, this committee in the judiciary that's headed by Representative Jordan.
0: Who who may be the Speaker of the House. I don't
1: know, but all I know is that he's a very courageous man.
0: Yes. Because
1: he is digging down and, and the testimony that's being submitted And one of my references is the weaponization of um, CISA, which is the the cybersecurity Mm -hmm. agency. How a cybersecurity agency colluded with big tech and disinformation partners to censor Americans. And the testimony that's already been submitted to that committee is phenomenal. And I've referenced that that, that kind of testimony is in these 300 references, more than 300 references that I have in this report. I'm very glad I did it, uh, but it it was a sobering experience. It was a, I still am uh, trying to deal with what I learned. And um, I feel like everyone needs to understand this is a moment in history when we do have a choice to make. We are either going to stand up in this constitutional republic and fight for our right to freedom of thought, speech, and conscience, or we will live as slaves for the rest of this century and it's no it's um like <laughs> I say it reads like a crime novel, and I feel like I've lived through it, and the one thing is, you look at everything that was thrown against us, and we're still standing. Mm-hmm. we're still here we're, st- we're still able, at least right now, as you and I are talking we're able to communicate online with our followers through your newsletter, through the NBIC's websites. How long that's gonna last, I don't know. But I do know that for every day that we're able to speak in the public square to the limited extent that we can, because NVIC had our websites have dropped by half in terms of visitors. We're off of Facebook. We're off of Instagram. We're off of uh, YouTube. All my commentaries for more than a decade, completely gone. Uh, You know, Twitter, when Elon Musk uh, purchased Twitter, and it's now known as X, in February 23rd of this year, NBIC was restored to that platform. But other than that major platform, we are... Blocked and in on December 21st of 2021, 18 members of the U.S. House of Representatives from one political party wrote a letter to PayPal and told them to take me and MVIC off of that platform so that nobody could donate to NVIC through PayPal. I mean, this is an all-out assault on trying to. Obliterate a small nonprofit charity. We're a small charity, but we had a, we, we we were able to strike a chord within many Americans and many legislators who understood the importance of protecting informed consent rights when it comes to taking a medical risk. In this case, a vaccine risk. So, I, I I'd like to report too. Uh, in terms of there will be another report released, Vaccine Awareness Week. My report is released on Wednesday, November 1st, along with a commentary this week. And then later in the week, Don Richardson's report on uh, what's happened in the states legislat- legislatively will be released. And the good news there, because I, I don't have all the details to give you, but I'll just give you an overview And that is we followed over a 1,000 bills, posted over 700 bills on the MBIC advocacy portal at mbicadvocacy.org. And not one state passed a vaccine mandate. There has been an awakening in the state legislatures. Not one passed a mandate. We know, as I reported last year, no COVID mandates. D.C. had a COVID mandate. They rolled it back this year for the school children. Not one state passed a minor consent bill that allows doctors to persuade children without their parents' knowledge or consent to get vaccinated. Children as young as 11 years old, uh, but not one bill passed this year. Uh, So, you know, we there are two times as many positive vaccine bills that we supported than negative vaccine bills. (laughs) It's an incredible story.
0: Yeah. And that's the reason they targeted you. Mm -hmm. Precisely.
1: Yeah. And the money.
0: Because you know you're making money.
1: The disinformation, censorship, industrial complex, hundreds of millions of dollars are being spent, not only by the the federal government, but these philanthropic organizations. Ostensibly. uh, ostensibly,
0: Ostensibly philanthropic.
1: Well. They're definitely political um, now. Uh, Yeah, it's it's a web. It's a spider web that has got government partnering in public-private partnerships with business, banking industry, the World Health Organization, United Nations. It's a huge web. And like I say, a miracle that with everything they've thrown against us, and and certainly they have targeted you uh, relentlessly, the super spreader, right? The coronavirus super spreader uh, in the media that is cooperating with this government public-private partnership enterprise to try to silence people who speak online, who speak the truth basically online about vaccine risks and failures and mm-hmm. about the oppression of the mandatory vaccination system. So I urge everybody to please tune in on on Wednesday when we release this report, read it, share it with your friends and family. And please, we've been ghosted and we do need donations. We do need your support for us to continue to do this work that we've been doing for 41 years.
0: Yeah. So will you be actually testifying before... Jordan's- no, I have
1: not. I, I I have not been invited to do that, but I am going to be speaking with committee, and I'm going, to, like I say, um, releasing this report to them.
0: Okay, perfect. Yeah, it's uh, you, as you probably know, as we're recording this, I think last week, I believe last week, the, the, the October ninth, Bobby Kennedy launched his. Campaign as an independent candidate, not as part of the Democratic Party. So there was obviously an equally vigorous attempt to discredit him as as they've thrown at both of us. And it's interesting, and the reason I'm mentioning this is that in September, we posted a poll on X asking if they thought that Bobby should run as an independent. And they used that. They use that to weave into the reporting on his running, as a, an effort to brand me. Because I've well, actually I've, I've already been branded as I guess the symbol of anti-vax. I think that would be a fair statement. I mean, if you could put anyone's face on the symbol of being anti-vax, it would be my face. I mean, I think you know it, because of the the reach I've had and. The the reporting on his candidacy confirmed that because it was only, a, a, I think, two sentences, but it was in every report, hundreds, if not thousands of reports that went out across the world, not, you know, de- describing his candidacy. Everyone included the statement. It, it was just crazy that I had run this poll that, no, they mentioned my name as a prominent anti-vaxxer boom. Okay. So they wanted to discredit Bobby by connecting him with me. So it's just interesting. And and to me, that just gives me enormous pleasure and uh, pride that, you know, we've been so successful. And And I hope you share that feeling too, with what they've done to you, because it means, I mean, if they didn't do that, your whole life's worth would be almost destroyed you know it's just meaningless but not destroyed but meaningless because it didn't have an impact
1: you know but, there there you can see in the report because i've gone chronologically i've told the story as if you're living it the reader is living through in it real
0: yeah. in real
1: time in real time and and documenting you know what was done uh and it's clear the patterns are clear uh whenever they feel that there is a lessening of the of the vaccine uptake or opinion is changing, that there's an outbreak of nasals or pertussis or whatever. And then if there's an orchestrated publicity campaign mm-hmm. that repeats all of the, the the media outlets around the world repeat the same thing. And if they decide they're going to target you, for example, or me, then that is repeated over and over again, and certainly Imran Ahmed's Center for Countering Digital Hate, the reports that he did, and you know nobody can, nobody can find out you know who funds him. He, he refuses to to say who funds him, <laughs> um, and yet you and I were targeted in December of 2019 by the Washington Post. Oh my goodness! Barbara Lowe Fisher and MDIC are partnering with uh, Dr. Joseph Mercolo who sells products. Uh, yeah, I got the front price.
0: page for that one. I was I was the primary funder of the anti-vax movement, right. is, According to their interpretation, I'm not saying claiming that, but that's right. what they say to them.
1: And honestly, Dr. Mercola, when you read this report and you realize the hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars involved in and, and in coordinating this, this campaign,
0: price. yeah, I mean it's a, <laughs> it's it's a small fraction of one percent of what they spent to discredit everything.
1: Yes, it's. It's this is about business. At the end of the day, you know, I always have said it's about ideology. For many years, I said it's about ideology. And my dear husband says, no, Barbara, it's about business. It's about the money. And I go, I don't know. Well, you know what? It is about the money. At the end of the day, this is about a pharmaceutical industry And they're partners with pharmaceutical industry, including academia, including a lot of other institutions in society who have decided that there will be no opposition to the mass use of vaccines. Every vaccine that the pharmaceutical industry uh, creates, but it's vaccination has been used as a political tool. No question. And that's where ideology comes in. This idea that you have not got the right to protect your bodily integrity or that of your minor child, because you must take the risk for the good of society—that's the utilitarian rationale for the greater good. A minority of people can be sacrificed in service to the rest, and that's where I got. I, I have been very focused on <clears throat> that that pseudo ethic, and 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 am defending informed consent. But when I when I did this report, I went, wait a minute. This is about the money, pure and simple, it's business. And that's where, you know, you know, it, it, it it's disturbing because I'm, I'm disturbed by the fact that so many different institutions in society, particularly academic institutions, have been co-opted by the money. And uh, it, it's very dangerous, and, and really, you and I have talked about this before. Left and right, we've really got a melding of government with big business, which is basically fascism.
0: Yeah, it's the definition of fascism. And, and
1: it's it's frightening, really, and it it needs to stop. And you know, government money should not be used to try to demonize people and to drive them out of the public square. The whole issue of freedom of thought, speech, and conscience is it such a fundamental freedom issue. And I really hope that the report that I've written will help open some people's eyes as to how that the issue of vaccination has been used to try to discriminate against and silence people in the public square.
0: Thanks for compiling that information Help help uh, enlighten people as to exactly what they've done if they weren't suspicious already, but at least documented objectively so yeah. uh I, we've got I always, new
1: vaccines out i mean what's happened in the last year here we've got the rsv vaccine and a monoclonal antibody
0: they're trying to sell as a vaccine are these combined all. into one vaccine that way and the end of the, the flu the rsv and the covid no uh, i don't think all, yet. Separate, but that's the plan
1: yeah but i mean here's the thing we've got the mrna products which you know we know are not vaccines right and now we've got a monoclonal antibody shot for the little babies, RSV, monoclonal antibody shot, which is basically a synthetic protein made in the lab that mm-hmm. tries to make your body think as if it's, you know, mm-hmm. antibodies. But anyway, uh and to give to these little babies. Most children have RSV, and it's not a it's like a bad cold. Most children have it and have no complications within the first two years of life, and they get natural immunity, but you know. About, there's about 100, between 100 and 300 children who die of RSV every year, but most of them are immune-compromised, have some sort of underlying health issue, and yet they want all the babies to get this mon- monopole. Then they've got an RSV vaccine for the elderly. Now, the elderly, they, they, there's uh, people over 65 in this country, there's about between, I think, about 6,000 and 8, 10,000 deaths due to RSVP, but RSV, but it's a respiratory disease disease that can cause a pneumonia complication. So that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of old people die of pneumonia, mm-hmm. of respiratory disease. So this RSV vaccine, again, hundreds of dollars for the shot. is <laughs> for people over 65. And one of the, the the manufacturers is for pregnant women. They want to give pregnant women the RSV vaccine in order to supposedly protect their babies. So what is happening is as the COVID vaccine... Uh, as the COVID vaccine has been rejected, I mean, there's like a four percent uptake right now, uh, of the new COVID booster. People
0: four percent. That's interesting. I haven't heard that statistic.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I hope I haven't got my my things right here. I mean, have I'm pretty. It's a very, extremely low uptake, and the reason is is that people understand now that that shot does not prevent infection and transmission. Even though they were led to believe that the original, you know, that the shot would prevent infection and transmission, so you have a very low uptake of the booster. Pfizer, well, Pfizer has announced. I suspect that's
0: also it can combine with the fact that they appreciate it can cause permanent harm and disability and even death. No question. Yeah. So that, I'll, that, I'll I mean, yeah. that. So it's it's not just ineffective. I mean, that's bad enough. It doesn't work. So why should I bother? But if it can harm disable or kill me, maybe I shouldn't get it.
1: Right, (laughs) of course. Uh, But this is why all the polls are showing that there's not just a rejection of the COVID vaccine by large numbers of people, Mm -hmm. but people are now starting to lose confidence in the other. That is
0: a great, great point. And I I had forgotten about that. I wonder if you could elaborate on that because that may be the silver lining of all of this is that we've literally demolished destroyed the concepts of the importance of vaccines for a large segment of the population. I'm wondering if you can give us your projection, insights, belief, or understanding of what that dent has been.
1: Yeah, the the polls are showing a lessening of confidence in, in vaccination because of what they did with the COVID vaccine. I mean, they—the fail of the COVID vaccine is not just for that product Mm -hmm. itself. It it is really what they did in terms of how people think Mm
0: -hmm. about
1: vaccination. So a lot of people are just going to skip that flu shot this year. They—they just there's an uneasiness about vaccination right now, and I think you know it's their own fault. Mm -hmm. It's the fault of the of the. The federal agencies and the pharmaceutical companies that tried to oversell this product, try to make everybody afraid that they were going to die if they didn't get it. There was like an 80% uptake in this country of one COVID shot. That's a huge, huge uptake. However, on the second round, and now I think this is the fourth
0: booster. No, it's the fifth. The fifth, fifth booster.
1: You know, people are just saying, well, I, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> and Pfizer announced this week, that they are having to uh, cut $3 billion in uh, expenses and in staff, et cetera, because they are not able to meet the projections for their stockholders of the uptake of the COVID booster. So, oh, man, we should have I a pity,
0: pity party for them because they're not going to make $100 billion this year. I know. <laughs> $100 so, billion, $100 billion. $100 billion. The, the most uh, the earnings of any pharmaceutical company in the history of the world. Correct. Um, but I'm in it, trying to understand this, and I, I haven't dived deep in it. I haven't seen patients for over a decade, maybe fifteen, coming up on two decades actually. But the um, so I don't know how the dynamics and mechanics of this works. But obviously, when the COVID vaccine came out, they were charging like thirty, thirty-five dollars. Now it's uh, $135 and somewhere in that ballpark. And then you mentioned these other vaccines like the RSV and the flu are they're in over a hundred dollars. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money for people who are financially impaired, which is the majority of the country. Three
1: hundred so to five hundred dollars a shot for those RSV
0: vaccines. That's just insane. So how can a any middle class family afford a five hundred dollars shot for one or more of their kids? I mean, it, to me, it seems like it's 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 either that, or you're not paying the mortgage or paying for food. So, who is paying for that? Is this is this the benefit they get from the insurance they have for their employer that the insurance pays for? Because it's hard to imagine any significant portion of the population paying these outrageous fees.
1: Well, there are there are stories out that this rollout of this monoclonal antibody for the babies and the RSV vaccine for the elderly and the pregnant women. is 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 meeting a lot of blockades because the insurance companies of course are going i don't know if we want to pay for all that shot Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe we'll pay something but i don't know if we want to pay three to five hundred dollars a pop so there are insurance questions uh of course there's the vaccines for children program which the taxpayers pay for and that's for underinsured or uninsured children so the cdc even though the world health organization and the FDA has not classified the monoclonal antibody shot as a vaccine, uh, the CDC said, oh, yeah, it's a vaccine. Well, why did they do that? They did that because the shots that are recommended for children are come under the liability protection mm-hmm. of the law, the 86th law. So what the manufacturers are trying to do is get every product that they can think of to squeeze into that vaccine category, uh, recommended by the CDC as a vac- as a vaccine for for children in order to come under the the liability protection, and uh, you know that's the way it works. So, well, you're gonna...
0: well, well, you mentioned that the government is paying for this for people who who are underinsured or don't or insured. So, what percentage of the population is provided this coverage? Where they're getting these free free vaccines? You know, I don't know
1: the vaccines for children program. I don't know the percentage. I mean, what
0: do you think? Is it 10%, 50%? I mean, it seems like it might be a lot. And it's, it's, it's just hard to believe that any significant, it has got to be well under 5%, maybe even under 1% of the population that would, would shell out $500 for a vaccine.
1: Yeah, I mean, the monoclonal antibody doesn't prevent the infection as supposed to like that uh, COVID vaccine. The mRNA COVID vaccines are supposed to reduce complications so that you don't die. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it doesn't prevent infection and transmission. You know, this is the thing. These vaccines, we were all sold the bill of goods from the get-go. Talking from smallpox vaccine on, that these vaccines were going to prevent infection and transmission. That is that does not happen in a lot of, with a lot of the vaccines, that does not happen. It's not-
0: At, at least in the last vaccinated. few, at least in the last few hundred years. <laughs> yeah.
1: So this whole idea that everybody's got to do it for, for everybody else, doesn't hold water. Yeah. In other words, you should be able to look at a pharmaceutical product, have all the information, accurate information, and be able to make an informed decision. You know, NBIC has never told anybody to vaccinate or not vaccinate. That is not our role. We've never done that. That's, we're not physicians. We're consumer advocates. So we, we make no judgment on what you want to do. That is your business. You as a doctor, you have the, the, the right and the ability to say vaccinate or not vaccinate, but I don't. But I do defend the right to make, that you can make a choice that it's your human right to exercise informed consent to medical risk taking. And for that, we've been vilified. I mean, doesn't everybody want that, right? Why does this it. become such a political ideological battle? It's you become. You answered that question earlier. I on. Said, it's about the money. I'm sorry. Yeah. Come on, I've been listening. <laughs>
0: We know what the answer is.
1: Yeah, we do. In and it's that's,
0: that's the motivation for the destructive action, actions they've taken. And and power.
1: Money and power. Yeah. Because for, it's a lot about controlling people. Right.
0: When you um, get higher up, it's the power because they got more than enough money than they need.
1: And, and that's the other thing that just blows my mind. They have all these behavior psych, behavioral psychologists. This is the new thing now. All of these papers that are published in in the academic journals are about. How can we figure out ways to change the values and beliefs of these people who are resisting vaccination? They've got all these psychologists and psychiatrists and behavioral specialists trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to change everybody. Is that the role of government? Really? Is that the role of government is to come in and try to screw around with your mind and your, your personal beliefs? So that you'll do what they want you to do—that's truly Orwellian.
0: Well, it's, it's it's exactly what you'd expect from a fascist government, because their interests are the same as the corporations; they're aligned. So I, I, everyone it's,
1: it's needs to read if they haven't. Prediction. I come from a the '60s. I'm a baby boomer. You need to read *Brave New World* by Aldous Huxley mm-hmm. and *1984* by George R. Orwell if you haven't read it. If you're a young person listening to this interview or watching this interview you need to read those two books the other thing i i was very impressed with was a series of the hunger games mm. it was a series of books that my children read in high and, school and movies too and movies and and you know what that's that's another thing that you need to do what's that Is watch, the, watch the hunger games watch the hunger yes. Games series read those books
0: Well, it's interesting how they use the media and the films to, I guess, uh, insulate, not insulate, but uh, inoculate the population with some of their goals or desensitize them to some others. Oh,
1: yeah. There have been screenwriters in Hollywood who go in and write uh, storylines about people, uh, these anti-vaxxers who have caused measles outbreaks. Remember when wow. I did the, in 2019, I did the uh, commentary that was very well received. You republished it. Uh, what's going on with measles, the science and politics oh, yeah. of the eradication of measles. I'm telling you, there, this this story is, is one of the people who have the money and the people who have the political power are the one, ones who are framing the narratives. And those narratives are full of holes scientifically yeah. and we have been asking for four over for four decades for them to do the science the biological mechanism science that will that will inform vaccine policy making about exactly who is genetically epigenetically environmentally bio, and biologically at risk for not having a really bad outcome from vaccination so that you don't have to do say oh, we're just gonna have some people be expendable for the rest. You know, for people who choose to vaccinate, they need that information. They need to know if they're at risk for have a higher risk for having a vaccine complication that can lead to injury or death. But, you know, we've got all this AI, we're gonna, we have all of this science and technology, but we can't figure that out. I don't believe it. I believe they know, and I believe they're deliberately not telling the people, And they're deliberately not giving out the information because they want to have the power to say, got to do it for the greater good. And if you get hurt, too bad.
0: That's for sure. You know, you mentioned the MM, MMW um, escalation campaign they had in 2009. It brings back the memory. I think that's the year that I had invested in doing a PBS special. When, when, when was the year that it had a, the measles vex, measles epidemic hit Disneyland? Fifteen, twenty fifteen. Okay, that's when it was. It was two thousand fifteen. It wasn't two 2009. I got it mixed up. But I had in two thousand fifteen they had, they they used that to escalate the narrative. Of course, and I, I just I, I'm sure it wasn't related to my PBS special, but they used that to get me off. And I had invested like hundreds of thousand of dollars in the special. Yeah, really? and. I, and And at the time, I didn't realize that PBS was absolutely part of the global cabal. They're the government arm of misinformation. So, of course, they were going to remove me. Well,
1: you know, it's interesting. In my report, I talk about a special that PBS did in 2010 called The Vaccine War. Mm -hmm. I was in that commentary. They did an update in 2015. Mm -hmm. You weren't. No, I was. I was in that
0: commentary.
1: Uh, And and what I said, well, in 2015.
0: Were you vilified?
1: No, no, this is this is what's interesting. I, as you know, I did a lot of television mm-hmm. debates. I debated more doctors on television uh, than any other American. And I did mm-hmm. that in the 80s, 90s, particularly the 90s, and the early 2000s. Uh, and 2015 was the last time that I was asked to give a perspective, a consumer perspective on television. Mm-hmm. So 2015 was the was, it's like a steel uh, door went down. Mm-hmm. But uh, the vaccine war was a was actually actually in 2010 sort of brought all perspectives together. And I was part of it. And I in that in that interview, I talked about how the Internet had changed everything, how how we were able on this free speech platform. We were able to talk to people and connect with each other, et cetera. I kind of gave them a roadmap, in other words. Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, by 2015, Don't they
0: my well, they they figured it out. They weren't stupid. I they know.
1: Mean. No, you can see they knew it way back in the early 2000s. Yeah. But but um, in 2015, they rebroadcast it, and they had a, a clip in there where I said, basically, Americans have a choice to make. You know, they can either stand up for their freedom or they can have it taken away by public health officials in the pharmaceutical industry. What I said today. Mm-hmm. And it got vitriolic response. Why did they have Barbara LoFisha on there providing false balance? That's the worst thing that they did on, on that show is to have her there talking about uh, you know, what I said. Um So 2015 with the Disneyland measles outbreak, that's when it really escalated, the the hate fest Mm -hmm. uh, really escalated. And then, of course, we had the, the 2019 measles outbreak in New York City, in the Orthodox Jewish communities, and in Washington state. And that stampeded Congress into these hearings about how social media really needed to get their act together. Because if they didn't, they were going to remove Their immunity that they got uh, when they first started, because the companies, the social media companies, are protected from immunity uh, lawsuits for the content on their social media uh, platforms. And what I really realized for the first time was, it was the social media companies almost had no choice. They were relentlessly, relentlessly hammered by politicians by this, this disinformation censorship complex in, I mean, if I'm at your business, you know, if you're a business and you are selling and you're doing something that that the government has given you liability protection for, you're not going to want to give that liability protection up, right? You're going to want to have that liability protection. That's exactly what happened with the social media platforms.
0: There's, there's a book called Surveillance Valley, Refer- it says takeoff on Silicon Valley by Joshua Levine. It goes into depth and in great detail and makes a powerfully convincing argument that certainly Facebook and Google are essentially arms of the military-industrial complex. Well, and, and the intelligence agencies. I didn't say military, which is probably the same. The intelligence agencies, the CIA and NSA, who actually funded them. And it's interesting, there was a pro- progenitor of Facebook that was clearly a project of the, I think it was NSA. And they literally, and I forgot the name of it, uh, but it literally, they took it down one day and the next day Facebook got spun up They're doing the same things that it was doing.
1: You know, what's so sad is, you know, when I would be part of these government advisory committees, when they were having me as their token rep, consumer rep, And I would institute of medicine workshops and I would I would beg them to do the science and I warned them that if they didn't do it, Mm -hmm. they would face this 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 time when people would reject the vaccines because Mm -hmm. they had not done the science to tell people who was at risk. They could have done the right thing a long time ago and they would have precluded this public backlash. Against not just the 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 disinformation that's been given out by vaccines about vaccines but also certainly the oppressive laws, you can see it when you read the medical literature. You can see how because they were so stubborn and so determined and so hubristic that they they refused to change in any way it's they are responsible for their own uh for the public to distrust in their system. And it will only get worse. It will only get worse until they decide to do the right thing.
0: Well, then it's going to get worse (laughs) because they're not going to do the right thing. (laughs) There's there's no way. Unless they're forced to or they, you know. Well, the government should not be
1: funding any university to, they should not be funding this disinformation industrial complex.
0: No, but it's.
1: Well, the politicians it's, could put a halt to that. Congress could put a halt to that.
0: Yeah, but it's, there are that
1: it's, can a, be one,
0: it's a one party system. It's a uniparty. <laughs> they're, well, they're, they're pretty much all beholden to the corporations, especially the military. It's just shocking to see ostensibly smart, well-educated politicians just claiming massive disinformation is true.
1: But there are individuals who are... Oh, there's a few.
0: Jordan is an example of one who is, absolutely. Jim Jordan. So
1: we can have hope. And I believe, you know, there's a whole lot more people out there. There's 340 million people in this country. And how many in the world? 8 billion. Mm -hmm. The people who are in charge of this infrastructure, this global infrastructure, are a very tiny number of people compared Mm -hmm. to the billions of people on this earth if people yeah. understand what's at stake they can do something about it certainly in our representative constitutional republic we can do something about it yeah. but it's going to take awareness and it's going to take some some uh work well you can't just sit in your home and watch net, you know netflix and and, no, and, for sure. and and change anything
0: yeah and then, you know we've been essentially targeted since 2016 aggressively targeted which is when they took us out of the google search engine so we haven't essentially been out of the search engines for seven years now and then and even though we were on youtube until 2021 21 they took us out yeah 21 to august 2021 um we essentially were shadow banned which is the the what happens when your content is allowed but is not promoted to any other, not widely spread, like they do with the algorithms? You're taken out of it. You're you're essentially, uh, just not put in the algorithms to promote your content, or you're put in there to exclude from the promotions. So it never goes viral. So instead, we I think we got to half a million subscribers on our YouTube channel. It it, it with if we weren't on on uh on, if we weren't censored. Probably would have been a 10 million, 15 million There's no question. But so they said they, that wasn't good enough just to throttle us back. Then they just took us and you off. I, did you come off the same time we did in August? We,
1: we were the first big organization to be taken off of Facebook. We were no, new, no, on but YouTube. 3rd, YouTube. 2021. Oh, YouTube. Here's how it went sequentially for us. We were taken off of, of, of Facebook on March 3rd, 2021. And then within a month off of Instagram, then within several months off of Twitter, and then in September of of twenty
0: twenty one, we so you were after, you were after us for YouTube. They took Bobby and I, I think they just took Bobby and I off first. They they just boom. YouTube YouTube yeah it was August. Of, might have been July. July might have been July, July. July. Facebook
1: we had seven hundred several hundred thousand followers on Facebook. Yeah. We lost in in that we lost. Almost everybody in that yeah. bloodbath between March and September of 2021. And then, of course, they came in and took, blocked our donations. That we had been with Network for Good that used PayPal as their processor. We had been with them for over a decade. And that one night, so December 21st, 2021, we were notified that all of our donations, we were in, at our end-of-the-year fundraising campaign, all, all of our donations were blocked. I said, why? We said, why? And they said they're giving us no explanation. Yeah. And it wasn't until months later that I found out it was 18 House of Representative members led by Alkenklaus out of Massachusetts yeah. who, uh, who who, told the CEO of PayPal to stop us from receiving any money.
0: Yeah, well, PayPal is part of the global cabal, too. I, I mean, what it, it they didn't need any encouragement to do that. They, they independently would have done it they're for sure they're, they're 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 part of the team no question so it's good that you're out of it but you know everything you've shared points illustrates uh the importance of supporting NVIC i mean despite all this the challenges the, the most recent data you have and data drives our decisions is that i believe you said there were 700 bills that were attempted to be t- passed in the state legislators in the last year. Over
1: a thousand actually okay, bills we thousand. followed 700 of them that we actually posted information on our MVIC obviously, portal. Okay. Nobody does what MVIC does in terms of state legislation. Yeah, yeah. We personally follow all of these bills and yeah. report on them. And, and then if you sign up for the portal, you would get information about bills that are moving in your state. It's right. free. And it's yeah. yeah. yeah well,
0: well, it, it's what I want to illustrate is that, this has made a difference and none of those bills got passed. Zero. So none I want you, I, I want you to speculate on what the world would look like if that portal didn't exist. Can you give us a, a good indication of the amount of bills that have passed, the freedoms that would have been lost, the number, the thou, the millions of people who have been hurt, damaged or killed? as a result of not having this, do you,
1: give, me, have, give me
0: your best guess. Cause you know better than me.
1: Yeah, no, I don't know the exact number uh, do global, global is make this global statement. Yeah. If MVIC had not formed in 82, if we had not in 2010 gone into the States and educated the legislators on this issue and worked with families in the States, this country would have had a COVID vaccine mandate for children. I don't have any question in my mind about that. Uh, the combination of education and advocacy has absolutely changed the landscape of the mandatory vaccination infrastructure in this country. And it was done because parents of vaccine injured children decided that their, their children were not an acceptable sacrifice. And it's an important point because all of the groups that have formed since 1982, particularly in the last 10 years, are riding on the back of the of the ground that we plowed and i can i couldn't be happier or more satisfied about that because our our influence has allowed other people other individuals and groups to form and be bigger megaphones you know it, to 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 warn people that this is a problem the mandatory vaccination system is not humane it's not something that should be allowed. You cannot throw people under the bus. You have to care and value every life. And so, I believe that if MVIC had not stayed the course all these years, and despite all of this persecution and all of this ghosting and and removal of online platforms, we are still standing. A great deal. I feel very much that you you played a huge role in helping us survive and all the people who have donated to us over the years, well, you know,
0: it's not just me. It's the people who are listening to this. You know, th- thankfully I was insightful enough in the last century to start this platform and want to share people the details on how to stay healthy uh, and, you know, expanded that to an advocacy position in, maybe 15 years later. Um, So it's that following that we've been able to share with. And and the reason I'm not saying this to brag or, you know, put laurels on you, but I want people to understand you've made a difference and they've made a difference by supporting you. True. That's true. I remember in the report. And you need the support now because they're, they're crushing you. They're crushing yeah. the organization. You know, you're, it's not that your mission isn't valid or making a difference. It is making a difference. This is why it's being suppressed. That's true. And these these funds are important. And, you know, the, now I know everyone can't because, you know, it's a hardship. It's financial hardship. A lot of people are financially suppressed or I know. oppressed. So, but if you can, it would be really helpful. And I'm, I don't know what I'm matching it with, whatever it is, a dollar, $2, $3 for every dollar you donate, but, you know, we, we want to see this work and you know, we can't do it alone. Uh, it's, it's a team effort. And I just want to express my gratitude and appreciation for those of you who have donated in the past, because it's made a difference. It's made yeah, a huge it has. difference. Yes. It has.
1: it has made a big difference. It's a clearly grassroots movement and it's of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things because they believe that in this country, we should have freedom of thought, speech, and conscience. And we should have the right to speak in the public square civilly, constructively. That's that's what America has always been about. And I believe this is a shameful, shameful era in U.S. history. And I pray that it goes, that it is, is consigned to the dustbin of history uh, sooner than later. Um, like I say, we're at a crossroads in this country. These culture wars are tearing us apart. But we can all agree, I think, on the Bill of Rights. Hopefully,
0: we can all agree. <laughs> oh, there's a strong contingency now of youngsters, not youngsters, but you know, people are just entering the, the educational system, going to law school and such, that they're opposed to the U.S. Constitution, and they're seeking to initiate efforts to mm-hmm. overturn it. So it's not everyone that agrees the U.S. Constitution is a good idea.
1: I know. And that I did a commentary on The Lancet article last year, I think it was for Vaccine Awareness Week. And where The Lancet, basically these authors, these public health professionals and people like Peter Hotez out of Baylor, basically called for a reframing of the U.S. Constitution and the government to devalue individual rights. In other words, that we were not being pro-social. We were not putting the state above the individual. And democracy has always sort of been defined as that the individual has rights that limit the power of the state, at least in our constitutional republic, because we are mm-hmm. a constitutional republic. We're not a pure democracy. We elect representatives uh, to state legislatures and federal government that that, that pass laws that represent our 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 will. So, yeah, the, the, the public health empire and the disinformation industrial complex wants the United States of America to devalue the individual in service to the state. Again, you're going back to utilitarian Machiavellian, the ends justify the means, a summary spendable for the rest type of ideology. Well, that's a very convenient ideology to adopt when you want power and when you want to profit off of exploitation of people and uh that's to me what it all comes down to is power and profit and the, and the and the people are the victims of this hierarchy that has been established globally this infrastructure that basically has the wealth of the world those who have mm-hmm. the wealth of the world are operating it and it's a um, it's very Disturbing at the same time, we've got to see this as energizing, too. We, you can't do something about something you don't understand. And that's why I did this report. I wanted to understand for myself what exactly had happened and why. It's clear to me, and its uh, I hope it'll be clear to other people, at least in terms of the vac- how vaccination, the issue of mandatory vaccination was used as a tool to accumulate power and money.
0: Well, thanks for all you've done, continue to do and your commitment dedication to this noble cause of helping preserve the constitutional freedoms that our forefathers fought so hardly for and, you know, protect young, innocent children from these being needlessly harmed and damaged. So made a dent. Thank you for everyone who supported you appreciate that. But if you can continue your support, that would be great. Uh, you know, NVIC needs it. And to continue the fight because they've been so battered by the disinformation industrial complex. So help if you can, and uh, we're going to continue the fight, I can assure you. We, you know, our, our past behavior is a testimony to that.
1: That's right. <laughs> That's right. And I, I remember when we put up the the monument for truth and freedom to truth yeah, and freedom, earlier this year freedom monument early this year on your property that you donated for this wonderful monument. And, um, you know, I wanted to have that there because I, I wanted, if, if, if we were completely eradicated, I wanted there to be something physically somewhere that mm-hmm. said that we were here and we tried. I think there's a lot of hope. I just think, I just think that people need to wake up and understand they've got to be part of the solution. They've got to be part of the solution. And I thank you for everything you've done. And I I look forward to the rest of Vaccine Awareness Week.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, you keep up the good work and we look forward to getting your full report.
1: Thank you.